Exodus chapter 19. And if we're talking about the spirit of truth, I know some haven't been here before, but those that have been with me know that everything that is done from Genesis to Malachi, it's, a, it's going to be a repetitious thing. So I know you guys that, are, that have been with the Lord are familiar with uh, Pentecost. Uh, the Gentiles called it Pentecost, but what did the Hebrews call it? They called it the Feast of Weeks. And that's the day when our Heavenly Father gives the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Truth. All right? So as you look at Exodus chapter 19 and flip over there, I will read for you these scriptures that we did last week, which brought us to Exodus chapter 19. All right? So in the book of John, in chapter 15, verse 26, these were the scriptures that we did last week to kind of touch base with the Holy Spirit, all right? And it reads in John chapter 15, verse 26, it says, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, the spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. That's the Holy Spirit's job right there. Remember, these scriptures that Jesus is, is speaking out of the book of John wasn't written yet. So the scriptures from Genesis to Malachi are the ones that he's going to open up our minds so that we can understand who Jesus is or who the Son is, who Yeshua is, okay? And then when you go to John chapter 17, verse 17, the sanctification process that you and I desire, like Sheila was talking about, from the moment she was underneath the tree till today, the sanctification process, the moment from the time I was 17 till today, whenever you have received of this sanctification process, John was talking to me about it during halftime. <laughs> you know, we got halftime in here. And uh, he said, I need that sanctification process. And we all need it. We're, you can't go without it. And only the Holy Spirit can reveal to you that. Um, and it says here in verse 17, it says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So Paul writes in another place, I think it's 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says, all scripture has been given by the inspiration of Yahweh, or they say God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction, and all those things uh, in righteousness that the man or woman of God would be what thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The same way the temple was furnished is the same way that this word that the Holy Spirit is going to bring into your life is going to begin to set up an altar. It's going to begin to set up a, 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 an altar of incense. It's going to set up a manure with seven golden candlesticks. It's going to have a holy of holies in there where the spirit of the Lord comes in and he resides in you. He begins to write the word upon your heart and upon your mind and he will be to you a God and you will be to him sons and daughters. If that's the way it's going to go. That's what happens to a believer. All right. And we'll see uh, how that process works out through scripture today. Hopefully I can bring it. Just always pray for your brother. So now when we go over to Exodus chapter 19 and I use Exodus chapter 19. Because all has been, everything that has been preached so far in our life has been Acts chapter 2. But you really can't understand Acts chapter 2 unless you go to the book of Moses, all right? And Moses, what Moses wrote and the things that the father told him to write is very important. It's the foundation, all right? That's what 
the father told Joshua to read. That's what David is telling you that he's reading. That's what Samuel is studying. That's what all of them are studying. That book of Moses, they are studying it. And uh, this book should not depart out of your mouth, but meditate therein what? Day and night, and then you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. Or the Holy Spirit job is to take you to a place where you are consistently listening, reading, and studying the scripture, that you're eating that bread from heaven, that manna. Each and every one of us got to eat that manna. What is it? It has no taste to it. There's no sugar in it. It ain't church Kool-Aid. It ain't that sonic, you know, uh, <laughs> cherry limeade. It ain't them hot wings from Wingstop. It ain't that apple and ice cream pie. You know, you be eating stuff that's so good to you. Manna has no taste. And when he brought him out of Egypt, he said, I want you to eat this manna. But really, Jesus said, he didn't give you the true bread from heaven. He said, I am the true bread from heaven. But we know the word that the Holy Spirit began to speak through the prophets and they begin to write it is the true bread that he wants us to eat. It's unleavened bread. It has no sin in it. Everything else, all your favorite shows, all the NFL, all the NBA, all the things you watch on television, all that stuff has leaven in it. But this is the only thing in your life that has unleavened bread, the Feast of Weeks, Exodus chapter 19. So we read here, and it says in verse one, and I'm gonna skip down to four. I might read just a little bit of it. It says in the third month, we know in the third month, that's when the Feast of Weeks is gonna be. Uh, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they to the wilderness of Sinai, for they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and pitched in the wilderness. And there Israel camped before the mountain. Moses went up unto Yahweh, or God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shall you say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, you have seen what I did unto the Egyptians. I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people for all the earth mine. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak unto the children of Israel. All right. So this is, this is the Feast of Weeks right here. The Gentiles called Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. So you have to be able to look at both of them. And there's other instances where the Feast of Weeks is going to be too, but you have to look at it in its entirety. All right? And um, if you're not and you're looking at just one scripture, you'll get things a little confused. But when you go back here, you're going to see that um, there's no tongues. What's going to take place is the word of God is going to take place. And one of the key things that it talks about, um, it says here in verse five, it says, now, therefore, if you will obey my voice, indeed, is one of the first things that Moses begins to share with the children of Israel that the father has shared with him. And that word obey is kind of similar to us in media ministry. If we ever set speakers up inside the sanctuary or different places, one of the things that we always want to establish is something called intelligibility. The, it has to be so clear that you can hear it. You know, if you hear something that's muffled, you're like, man, I can't really understand it. Intelligibility is something that must happen in the media ministry. And in our life as, as believers, this word to, to hear intelligibly, intelligently, carefully, uh, 
in a sense to where you're understanding it. So when he says, um, if you will obey my voice, that's something that has to happen with every single believer. Every single one of us. That's why it's such a personal relationship because all of us in the room are hearing something different. But he says, but if you hear my voice, if you look at it, I think it's John 10. That's why I put out John 10. Because Jesus, remember we talked about who is Jesus. And Jesus says something similar to this right here, which really gets people upset because he keeps making himself sound like he's the Lord. John 10 verses 27 and 28. Everybody make it over there? Of course, Jesus in verse 25 is answering these brothers. He said, I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not because you are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, verse 27, my sheep hear what? My voice. And I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them what? Eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any Pluck them out of my hands. So when you read that immediately, I go back to Exodus chapter 19 because the commandment here, he says, there, now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed. So we have to get to a place to where the Holy Spirit comes in our life. And it's so important. I'm telling you, I know we got Passover where he died for us without the shedding of blood. There is no remission of sins. But what a wonderful opportunity that you and I have once we are forgiven our sins. Now we can go into his presence. All right. Take your shoes off, Moses, because the place that you stand, that is what holy ground. And now that you and I are standing before him, Father, I need your Holy Spirit. I need you. That's why Jesus said, I go away, but I will not leave you comfortless. But I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And his job is to what we talked about it last week, to intercede on my behalf to comfort me, to teach me, to lead me, just like the children of Israel were led in the wilderness. He was leading them a pillar of fire and pillar of smoke. He's leading the children of Israel, and they are following. And we know the scriptures that said, as many as are what? Led by the Spirit. They are sons and daughters. So today, he says, what did he say? If you hear my voice, harden what? Not your heart like they did back here. In chapter 20, they hear it and they harden their heart. They say, Moses, you speak to us, but don't let the father speak to us. But Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. And just like we read that he is the Lord, our God, he changes not. In Malachi, we also read uh, in the other scripture where it says Jesus the same yesterday, today and forever. So we have to hear his voice. All right. That's important right there. The next thing that we want to talk about here is my covenant. He says, if you hear my voice and what keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people for all the earth mine. Everybody on the earth and everything belongs to him. But it's something about this covenant relationship that you and I enter into that makes us a peculiar treasure to him. Not that we're better than anybody else on the planet. It's just that. Like David, the apple of his eye. You're the apple of my eye. You're my son and my daughter because you've received me. You've accepted me. And I was thinking about the same covenant. All of us are going to enter the same covenant. They talk about the Abrahamic covenant, the David covenant, and things like that. 
But he was the Lord our God, he changes not. So the same covenant that he cuts with you is the same covenant that he cuts with me, the same covenant he cuts with Abraham, he cuts with me. Just sometimes it's hard to see it that way. But when we go over to Genesis chapter 15, and we begin to look at this covenant that happened. It's the same covenant. Remember Jesus said, you don't believe me. Remember in John 10? You don't believe me. At least believe me for the very work's sake. Believe me that I, I parted the Red Sea. Believe me that I walked on water. But they just couldn't believe him. But in Genesis chapter 15, when we look at this covenant and things that has happened to Abraham, you're going to see a little bit of what is happening here. Each and every one of us have to travel the same road. So in Genesis chapter 15, one of the foundational scriptures that Paul teaches that all of us believers go by is this one simple road, this narrow road that all of us have to go down. In Genesis 15, what is it? Let me make sure I'm right here. Bum, 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 bum. It's our favorite scripture. Ah, make sure I got my little stuff right. Usually it's around. Oops, it'd be nice if I turned to Genesis. <laughs> Your boy is getting older, you know that? I love getting older because I get to laugh at myself about all the crazy things I do. Especially I go outside with Nipsey and I try to figure out what something is across the street before I put my glasses on. So I tell Nipsey like 15 things. It's a cup. No, it's a bird. And he's looking at me like, what is this guy looking at? And I put my glasses on, I say, oh, it's a rabbit. <laughs> so I have a good time laughing at myself as I get older. But Genesis 15, 6, our foundational scripture. I don't care who you are. This should be your foundational scripture if you're a believer. And it says here, and he believed in the Lord, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Genesis 15, 6, you need to write that down, put an asterisk or a bullet next to that. You are righteous based on what you believe, not based on what you do. Yes, you're going to fall. I'm sorry, as long as you're in this body, you're going to make some mistakes, all right? It doesn't mean that you can't be the apple of his eye. We just want to reduce those mistakes down. That's the thing. That's what I'm going to Lord. You know, in a football game, you, wanna, you don't want turnovers. Don't want turnovers, don't want interceptions, you don't want fumbles, you know, you don't want to have plays that just go nowhere. You want to want everything to work out right. Then it starts to talk about this covenant. He said unto him, I, the Lord that brought thee out of the Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit. So we see where he believes and it's accounted as righteousness. And then we see him begin to speak to him about this covenant. It's the same covenant that we're going to see that he starts to talk to the children of Israel about. But he tells Abraham almost the same thing that he tells them, the same thing that he's going to tell you and I. I am the one that brought you out of your mess when you cried out to me. Abraham must have been in something in the Ur of the Chaldees because he said, I'm the one that brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldees. I don't know what Abraham was going through. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your struggle was, but you're here today. You don't know what my struggle is, but I'm here today. Some time has went by, like Sheila said, from being underneath the tree. He could say, I'm the one that brought you from underneath that tree. What did he bring you from? Because this is what, this is the covenant right here first to believe with the heart what man believes 
under righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then all of a sudden we got to he brings us to himself. And he begins to teach us the spirit of the Lord's job is to teach us. So right here we see where he speaks this to Abraham. But what is he going to speak to the children of Israel? Let's go take a look at that real quick. So we go back over to Exodus chapter 19. He says, if you will obey my voice indeed, that means that he's going to speak something that you and I need to obey. And keep my covenant after you hear it, then keep it. And we look at Exodus chapter 20 when he begins to speak and he says, and God spake all these words saying in 20 and verse one, I, the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, thou shalt have no other gods before me. We had some gods in our life that we served. Yes, we did. Only we know what the gods we serve and we are the only ones that know what we serve to this day. Because when we look at Jacob's life, the reason why he uses Jacob but then Israel is because Jacob's 12 sons, even though they were walking with their fathers, still served other gods, still took matters into their own hands. One of the things that he begins to talk to the children of Israel about that the sons of Jacob couldn't keep was thou shalt not kill. And we could see them very upset when their sister Dinah was taken and that young man wanted to make her his wife and her brothers were so angry. Who is this man to defile one of our daughters? Well, today we have this covenant with the Lord our God because we believe in the righteousness, but the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you and I about what he wants for our life. And one of the things is thou shalt not what kill? We start to read these 10 commandments. We have to obey something. But he says that some people will hear the 10 commandments. Some people will hear the word and not receive it. They will harden their heart. Just like Jacob's boys did. I know their father talked with him about it because he said, you caused my name. You caused me to stink in this land. Yeah, that's what he says. Go back and read it. He said, you're causing me to stink. Now they're on Facebook talking about us. And Jacob was so afraid because what was going to happen next? Somebody was going to take vengeance. You out there throwing hands like Sheila was talking about and And you think the weapons of your warfare are going to be carnal. If you live by the sword, then what? That was what Jacob was telling his boys. If that's the way you're going to live, then that's the way you're going to die. So he began to talk with the father because he was in covenant with the father. When you go back to Abraham over here in Genesis 15, 6 and verse 8, and he said unto the Lord, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit the land? And he starts to make a covenant with him. A covenant is is an everlasting covenant. And they would shed some blood. You know, Back in the day, the Indians would cut one little part of their hand and the other person would cut their hand and they would shake and they would share the blood within them. Today, you ain't sharing no blood with nobody <laughs> because you now you know. If you didn't know, like Biggie said, you know now. <laughs> you know what's in that blood, don't you? <laughs> and now everybody's, you know, you don't even want to share the same cup because of COVID and all the stuff that's happening. But now think about sharing this blood. 
because what's in you now becomes in me, and what's in me now becomes in you. There ain't no mistake. It's, it's, that's what it is. It's as real as that. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So Abraham says, how do I know that you and I are in covenant? Because he says in the covenant, he says, your children are going to inherit this land that you are on. That means that they didn't inherit it yet, but the Lord said you will inherit it. And then he tells Abraham, cut up some animals and cut some birds up. And there's going to be a covenant between. That means the father is saying, I will perform this in your life. Jesus has already died. So when he says, ask for it, ask for it in my name because I died so that you would have it. The relationship between us and the Holy Spirit is so important because he died so you and I could have it. A lot of times we're thinking we're thinking about substance and things like that. No. When you go back and look at the scripture, all they would ask for is, please let your presence go with me. Let your Holy Spirit go with me. Psalms 119, when you read it, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sit against me. That means give me your Holy Spirit. And I'm not running around here speaking in tongues. I'm not doing the Holy Ghost dance or none of that stuff. I'm studying the word. I'm eating He says, eat my flesh and what? Drink my blood and then you will be my disciples. So in our mind, we're like, man, we need to go to McDonald's. No, that's not it. The hardest thing for a believer to do is pray and to study scripture. You're a believer and your book ain't never open. You're a believer and you just, you struggle with praying. Well, I, I pray at home. Okay, all right, well, do you. But those two places right there is our Achilles. And he commands us to pray. There's not an option in with him. We read that in the book of Luke. Luke shares that with us, that we should always pray and never faint and never give up. Well, how do I become consistent with that? James says that you'll be, he's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. And then we got David and we got Joshua and we got all the preachers saying to eat this flesh, to eat his word. All right. So we go to uh, back over to Exodus chapter 19 and I believe it's verse six. He talks to us about being a peculiar treasure unto him above all people for all the earth belongs to him. That means seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and whatsoever you shall desire, he shall give unto you. Your desires will change. You become less selfish. That means it's not all about you. You start thinking about your neighbor. You start thinking about their children. All we pray about is our children. What about my neighbor's children? What are they going through? And you have to start looking at the other side of the coin. And that's what the father will do because we know the Holy Spirit is an intercessor. So he comes in and starts interceding for us. Then why are we interceding for other people? Things have to change in our life. And verse 6 uh, of Exodus chapter 19 says, and you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. Man, that right there makes you sit back and say, okay, I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. 50 days later, he tells the disciples, I'm going to baptize you with my Holy Spirit. I'm going to seal you with my Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you the key to living a believer's life. Because you and I, like it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, I'm struggling with the word. I'm struggling with praying. So the Holy Spirit's job is to begin to speak to us. 
and challenge us to taste and see that he is good. Well, the manna don't have no taste to it. It ain't doing nothing for me like watching a scary movie. I like scary movies. I like my sports. There's certain things that our flesh just loves. But when the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us, he begins to challenge us to do something different. We got to break these habits, but you and I don't have the ability to break them, but the Holy Spirit has the ability to break them. And when we begin to read his word, we pray his word back to him. He says that you shall be a kingdom of priests. Think about the Levites and how the father set them apart from the rest of the tribes of Israel. Just think about how you were set apart. You don't, you don't get to inherit any land like they do. You don't get a chance to move around like they do and do the stuff they do. He calls you and I to himself and then he separates us and he says, okay, now, all of y'all in here, you guys are going to be my priests. And you're like, man, and what is our job daily? Now, you guys are in charge of my body, of the temple. You're the one that's going to be in charge of the sacrifices every day. You're the one that's going to be in charge of making sure that altar of incense, that it's always ready. You're the one that's in charge of the manure now. Don't let the lamps go out. You're the one in charge of praying now. You're the one in charge of teaching the people. When you start to study the Levites and what they they were supposed to do, you're like, man. And all of a sudden, as the more you grow in the Lord, you find yourself about your father's business. Everybody's going to sick flags and you're like, you know what? I can't let the lamp go out. I, I got to keep eating this. Remember, I got to make sure that the table of showbread has, has bread on it. They got word on it. I got to make sure I'm praying. Yeah. So no matter where I go, sometimes I got to leave and go. And my boss knows I put that hand up to him. He's like, he'll nod at me because he knows where I'm going at nine. Because I got to go pray. Yeah. Because that's the covenant. That's the sign of the covenant. That's a covenant between me and my heavenly father. And after all these years, he comes to me and tells me one day, he says, man, you're going to pray and you're not going to faint. And you're going to pray at six and nine and that's it. But I grew to a place that he could walk to me and tell me this is what you're going to do. And if I obey, I'll be blessed. But I have an option here whether I want to not obey. But he brought me to a place and he's going to bring each and every one of us in this room to a place. He's going to give us an order and we will walk that order out. Moses was faithful in all of the father's house. Do you hear me? He's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. And I could talk about that all day long, but you won't say amen until you begin to walk down the same road or my sheep hear my voice. So if you're here today, you're like, I'm not hearing anything. Well, you better ask for prayer because his sheep hear his voice. The next thing it says here um, that you'll be a kingdom of priests and what a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak unto the children of Israel. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. And when we start to study Moses and we start getting an understanding of what Moses is talking about, and how the Holy Spirit is opening up our minds to it. 
when you start jumping over here and reading John and Peter and all the rest of these brothers, you'll realize that, man, they really had an understanding of what Moses and the prophets were talking about. Because Peter is now talking to the believers in his time. And it was his assignment to be one of the leaders. Jesus spoke to him and said, hey, listen, feed my sheep. That's what he told him. Peter, you love me? Yeah, feed my sheep. And what do you think he's going to feed the sheep? Two fish and five loaves of bread? No, no, no. Peter understood that he had put that work in, that he had to put that time in, and he had to be like Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but I need to meditate during day and night, and then I'll make my ministry prosperous, and I'll have great success as being a priest for the Most High. Peter became a priest, not ordained by man, but the Father chose him himself to be a royal priesthood for him. And you and I, nobody's ordaining us to be a priest, but all of a sudden you find yourself set apart and you begin to act like a priest. You begin to be concerned with the temple and all the things that the Father wants us to do. So when we look at um, 1 Peter chapter 2, I'm just picking out this one part. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a what? A peculiar people that you should show forth the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of the land of Egypt and out of the yoke of bondage and you will have no other God but him. Or you should show forth the praises because he's the one that brought you up out of the earth of the Chaldees and you shall have no other God but him. You should show forth the praises because when you and I begin to look around and you see people in bondage and you see people, you're like, man, that's one thing I love about Jesus is the compassion that he had on men and women and boys and girls that were just in bondage. We talked about it at Bible study, how when he went to Genesareth, that he just began, the people ran out there and put everybody that they could think of out there in that street. And he healed every single one of them. Every, he didn't walk up to somebody and say, now you get on my last name. Everybody. He forgave everybody's sins and healed everybody. That town, that should be preached every day in every church. It didn't matter if the man was a homosexual. It didn't matter if the man was a pedophile. It didn't matter if he was a thief or, or a robber or a murderer or adulterer because we see where the sins of some of these people crippled them. But they started bringing everybody in their family out into the middle of the street in hopes that they could just touch the hem of his garment. That's what it says. Nobody was asking in the town, like, does he deserve it? They just brought everybody that was broken and couldn't walk and was blind and upside down in their life. They were bringing them out there and he just walked through the streets, all through the country, healed everybody, got back on a boat and left. It's his will to heal our land. It's if my people and they knew that they were his people 
They knew it and they did it by faith. Listen to Peter, but you are a chosen generation. That means that each and every one of us in here has been chosen by him. You ain't in here by happenstance. When you start to think in your mind, did you really choose me to be here? Is it really your will for me to be up in here? He's like, yes. Yes. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praise of him who called you out of Egypt, out of the yoke of bondage, and you will have no other God but him. We are done serving other gods. We're done serving sugar. You know how sugar is a God to us. Can't even go by the donut store without the, the God of sugar saying, hey, did you say I got donuts on sale in here? My bad. Those things are, are destroying us. It says here in verse 10 uh, of the same chapter, it says, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Listen to this, because you know, the commandments are there to teach us. And the commandments start in 20, and then in, in 21, you start to see the law, where he starts to explain even more. And it goes all the way through Moses. He starts to lay it down. If it wasn't for what Moses wrote, you and I wouldn't even know what sin is. So the word is so important, so you and I will know what sin is. So as you and I begin to eat his word, we become very knowledgeable what sin is. And then we'll hear his voice and he will tell us to come out of that. But first you have to realize that you're in it before you come out. Somebody can walk up to you and say, what about you? You know, the first thing you do is flip it on them. But when you can hear his voice, he starts to talk to you about the stuff that you are in. Hey, 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 I'm tired of you serving that guy. And you're like, you never realized that you were serving a God. But listen to verse 11. It says, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. <laughs> that word soul again. You know, I talk about the soul. I always like when uh, I'm watching Shrek and Mary, you know, Puss and Boots. He says, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. And he starts to cry. They're like, eh. because you got a soul. Yes. yes, you do. And you can talk a good game all you want to. But something in your soul is driving you. And like Sheila said, you push the right button, that soul is going to come out throwing hands because it was trained to throw hands. Right. It was trained to cuss folks out. Yes. It was trained to do things the opposite of what the Father is teaching us to do. So that's why when you read those Ten Commandments and now you get to honor thy father and mother, and that is foreign to you. His word ain't in you. That means that, well, is the Holy Spirit in me? Because then you'll begin to read this word, you'll begin to listen to it and realize that it's the Father that is speaking through you, through the scripture. That's why scripture is so important. You will read, I tell you right now, bring up a letter from somebody that passed away. I found your mom and dad's letter. Do you know they wrote this to you? Shoot, about six months before they passed away and I just happened to see it. 
you would snatch that letter out their hands so fast, wouldn't even say you were sorry. Because something in your soul makes you think about them every day. That's the only way I can put it. That's how we should be when it comes to the word. We should be snatching that up in. Because he loves us so much that he gave us the word. Or he gave us his Holy Spirit. He said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to write you this thing. And that's why last week we were talking about how Peter said, we didn't follow cunningly devised fables, but holy men of God, moved by the Holy Spirit, wrote to us these scriptures. And you can see that Peter is studying the book of Moses because he's quoting Exodus chapter 19. And he gave us these commandments and these precepts and these statutes because he says, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims because you don't belong to this world no more. You were bought and paid for with a price. You're a new creature. It's over. You can't live that way. You can't put new wine in old wine. It ain't going to work. It's going to keep busting on you. Every scheme and every plan begins to break up. It won't work. Abstain from the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and those things that war against your soul. Man became a living soul. Yes, we got a spirit in us. Yes, we got flesh, but that soul, that's what he wants to cleanse is that soul. So where you and I begin to bring forth, like he says, show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, where you and I begin to act like we're his children. Something's peculiar about him or her because I called them out their name and they never responded to it. I deliberately did something to them on the job and they never responded to it. I deliberately did this and I deliberately did that and they didn't even respond to it because something is changing on the inside in our soul and you and I have to study this word. I know people are speaking in tongues and running around the church and doing a dance, but they go right back out that door yeah. living the same way. But he says, my sheep, let's go back to Exodus chapter 19, hear my voice. That's what he says. He says, my sheep, hear my voice. And the Lord wanted to speak to the people himself. You know that? He wanted to speak to them so that they could have their own personal relationship with him. We don't need Moses going up and down interceding for us. Not when we become a son or a daughter. John says, as many as received him, to them he's given the opportunity to become a son or a daughter. The opportunity is if we choose to accept him and then receive his spirit, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Yeah. But you and I have received him because we were bought and paid for by the blood. All right. So we look at Exodus chapter 20. And we look at verse 18 after he 
spoke the commandments. And it says, and all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, speak you with us and we will hear. But let not God speak with us unless we die. What is that? When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, our desire is for our father to speak to us. That's your desire. And that's my desire. That he will speak to me intimately, privately. It's him and I, one-on-one. -on -one. He would speak to Abraham. He called Abraham his friend. What does he call you and I this morning? And Moses says in verse 20, he said, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces that you sin not. And the fear isn't the fact of running like he's Freddy Krueger or like he's a scary thing from a horror movie. It's to have respect unto him. It's to respect him for who he is. And when the father uh, calls you to preach and he calls you to teach and he calls you to help people and he calls you to, he might tell you to, hey, I want the church clean before anybody walks in there. And all of a sudden, you, you, the Holy Spirit tells you to do something. Hey, Pastor Mark, I need a key because I'm going to go in there and clean up before anybody gets there. And I'm like, Okay. And every time we walk in here, somebody has been in here clean and, and the place is clean like they're ready to receive God himself. Yeah. And we are literally amazed that you're like, and don't ask them why they are doing it. Because his sheep hear his voice. And I'm not the head of the church. It's somebody else running this thing. So don't get, you know, you can get mad at me all you want to. <laughs> but don't get mad at him. Don't get mad at the one that can destroy your soul. That's, that's where we're at today. You get mad at me all you want. I don't mean that. I'm like, okay, wait. Well, all right, well, I'm sorry. Well, you start getting mad at him and start tripping off on him, you don't want him to bring you to him because he'll bring you be face to face. He's like, well, what's the problem? <laughs> what's going on? I just had a moment. <laughs> Okay, well, all right, they're doing CPR, go on back. <laughs> but when I tell you something, <laughs> that's what I expect to happen. And my office hours are for what? You're like, nine to five. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Make it a job, okay? <laughs> Make it your job to get it done. That's what happened to Jonah. <laughs> Jonah had a meet face to face, <laughs> all right? I'm not going to Nineveh. They don't deserve it. <laughs> I'm out. And the Lord's like, oh, you, oh, you out? Okay, well, we, all right, let's, let's see what happens. I'll tell you right now, after the third day, he was like, nine to five. Had an attitude. But he went and did what the Lord asked him to do, didn't he? So his sheep was Jonah. Jonah was just rebellious. But he got that act right. Yeah, he did. Got that act. And the Lord still was talking, Jonah, why are you so slow, baby? Because they repented. I thought you was going to kill him. Come on, Jonah. You don't know who I am, but yes, I know who you are. You're so loving and kind and all this stuff. But those people right there deserve to die. That's what, you know, sometimes we think that as believe. They deserve to die. No, they don't deserve to die. He said, all the earth is mine. He said, everybody, everybody on death row, everybody that's good people, but they don't go to church or they don't believe. He said, all of them belong to me. The person on the other side of the world over there that, that's eating ants and, and did a little fly landing on their eye, they belong to me too. Who are you? Well, I'm just saying, you know, I'm, I'm a peculiar pretty boy. Sit down somewhere. <clears throat> and that's what happens. Our father is in total control.
But if you don't have the spirit dwelling in you, it's hard to hear. It's hard to hear. You know that? After Cornelius, Peter started talking, the spirit came into Cornelius' life and all the other people that were in the room. And they began to give up the praise. They began to give up that praise and they began to say hallelujah. And they were running around and Peter was like, it was just like what happened when the Feast of Weeks had come. And next thing you know, the spirit hit the room and everybody just started going off. And Peter was like, man, it was, it was such a, 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 an uncontrollable praise that began to happen. And they began to proclaim who he is to the point where people are like, man, what is going on over there? And it's the same thing that he wants to happen in our lives individually, where people are saying, what's wrong with them now? I remember them when. And now you are on an assignment for your Heavenly Father. So the spirit of truth, his job is to speak the truth to you and I. And to make us understand what the truth is, his job is to teach us. It says you don't need no man to teach you. That doesn't mean that we don't go and, and, and not hear the preacher, because how can you hear without a preacher? It's just that in the midst of him preaching the scriptures, you know it's not him. Did you tell Pookie and them about what I did? <laughs> no, nobody tell nobody nothing. This is a preacher. Just, he don't know what's going on. He's just preaching. Yeah. I swore you told him. I'm going to deal with you after church. You just run your mouth too much. <laughs> ain't nobody talking about you. You ain't that important. <laughs> you are not that important. I got to tell somebody about you. Psst, let me tell you about you. You ain't done nothing. Ain't nobody that important, but when that Holy Spirit begins to move in the room, you start to hear it, and we get convicted, and we begin to repent. Like when John began to move by the Holy Spirit, people started coming to John and saying, you know, wanting to repent. Wanting to repent. So while we are in church, something should be driving you and I to a place where the Heavenly Father can use us. And sometimes, man, the things that are warring against our soul, we need that Holy Spirit in our life to get those things up out of us. We need to listen to the word. And I'm telling you, something about when the word goes in, it begins to make room. It begins to spread itself out. Whatever seed has been planted in you and I, it's nourished and, 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 and it grows through the word. And next thing you know, that thing starts getting bigger and bigger and producing more and more faith. And you can hear more clearly with intelligibility without any distractions. You hear me? Mm -hmm. So the spirit of truth is a little bit different I preach about than what most people preach about because they got to have the organ going and running. <laughs> the spirit of truth ain't like that. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. And once you know the truth, the truth will set you free. From what? From those things that are warring against your soul. Those things that are trying to clog up the, uh, the pipe or the way in which the Holy Spirit is going to move into our life. You know that? It clogs it up. It makes us distracted. It makes us go for other things instead of going for him. And all of us have it. But the more and more he can remove the obstacles out of our life, more and more that you and I spend more time with him, more and more that he communes with us, more and more that he can use us, and then our cup starts to run over into other people's lives. He fills us up, and then all of a sudden, we start to, it just starts to flow out of us into our children, and we ain't got to go say nothing to our children. They ain't no different than us. But when that Holy Spirit starts to flow out your life, it just starts to <coughs> hit everybody that's around your little life. Amen? Amen? Talking about the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. The truth ain't always pretty, but the truth will set us free. 
Anybody else got anything on their heart? Everybody okay? Think about that in your life. And everybody leaves out of here saying, man, I got to get in that word. I got to get in that word. But you know who's waiting for you when you come out. (laughs) What up, baby? Look like you got a word today. (laughs) What was he talking about? And his job is to steal that from you before you get home. Here it is. That's his job. You know that. He's trying to steal it out of each and every one of us. Because while you're sitting here, you're saying to yourself, you know what? I'm going to spend time with you when I get home. I'm going to do this this week. I'm going I'm to I'm start praying more. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But man, what time is it now? Man, give it about another 15 minutes. <laughs> man, next thing you know, you don't forgot about it. What was I supposed to do? <laughs> what did I tell you? The devil just be like, man, I had to steal that one. Because <laughs> I don't want them knowing the truth. <laughs> it exposed them. You know that? That's when you start to realize that the stuff you're looking at and you're entertaining, God ain't giving you. God ain't give me the spirit of fear. Why you keep watching horror shows? Because I want to be afraid. <laughs> All right, well, God ain't give you that. Okay, he ain't give you Saw. But I like Saw. <laughs> he ain't give you that. He ain't give you Michael Myers or none of that stuff. He ain't give you the spirit of fear. But a power of what? Of love and a sound mind. And you start staying in that word and start communing with the Holy Spirit, he starts producing that fruit in you. you ain't, it's not you that produces the fruit. He starts to produce the fruit. All of a sudden, somebody starts spitting in your face and you wipe it off and keep on moving. And you get home and you're like, why did I just let that happen? Well, you're a peculiar person now. That's what they're going to say. That's strange. Person's awfully peculiar. He act like he never got spit, spit on. Act like nobody hit him. He just kept on going. That's what Paul did after he got stoned. He got up, you know, kind of rubbed it off a little bit. Them little stones hurt. <laughs> Went right back to preaching. Peter and them got beat. They told him, don't preach in that name no more. You know, they <laughs> had to put somebody's arm back in socket. <laughs> you know, put some band-aids over the eye. And they went right back over there and started preaching again. As if nothing ever happened. You know how we are. We start plotting on them. I'm going to wait for them to be by themselves. I'm going to catch them outside of Walmart. We're going to see what time it is. That's what happens with us. We just start thinking. You know, we start premeditating. Peter and them went right back to preaching. Look, people that you could easily beat, but they just went back to preaching again like nothing ever happened. God, look, I'm not talking about being spanked like you went to school with a paddle. I'm talking about getting beat. You know, you're a grown man. When they beat you to the point you can't walk, and then you go right back and start doing the same thing they told you not to do, all right, <laughs> you know what's coming. Those of us that believe, you know what's coming. We'll be coming to here, you know, with our ear hanging. I'm okay, baby. I can still hear you. <laughs> Just sew it up. You remember Rocky? Just cut my eye. <laughs> we right back out there preaching again. We right there on the job preaching. Right there in the, in the community preaching. Doing what we got to do. Amen? Mm-hmm. And you won't even know why you're doing it. John the Baptist got to do it.